they are leopards and pumas in Britain. Yes, I suppose because we're an island, they've got no way off. Yeah, they're in our country. They're here to stay. Seeing is believing, and I have no proof of what I saw that day other than what I can describe. It was huge. It was like the weightlifter of cats. Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. Hello, welcome. This is episode 41 of Big Cat Conversations. It's being released on the 1st of January, so if you're listening on schedule, a happy new year. Lots of positivity needed as we venture into 2021, so good luck everyone. Throughout the year we'll be hearing from different parts of Britain of course, but recently we did say there was another fresh sighting at our home base in Gloucestershire, which was just too good to miss. For our next guest, we have Anne, and we're back in Gloucestershire again, but it's very much justified, I think, because of what happened in this example. Anne is based near Tetbury, and this incident occurred recently in November 2020, and maybe just a couple of miles from Maria's Puma report that we heard about in episode 38. So, Anne, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, You're welcome. I'm pleased to be here. Great, Anne. And actually, you're not from Gloucestershire. You hail from near Newcastle-upon-Tyne, is that right? I am a Northumbrian, yes, a posh Geordie. Whereabouts precisely? Originally from Amble, which is a small fishing port, and the last place I lived was Annick, very close to Annick Castle, so beautiful scenery. Yeah, I was a student, postgraduate student in Newcastle-upon-Tyne and used to love going up the Northumberland coast and into Northumberland. Hopefully you enjoy it here in Gloucestershire though as well. I do indeed, it's a lot warmer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. When I last spoke to you, Anne, it was about 24 hours after the event we're going to talk about, and the nervous energy was still very apparent. I don't think we can reproduce that tonight, but do tell us what happened as you were walking your dogs one evening on the outskirts of Tetbury. Is that right? Yes. I live just on the outskirts of Tetbury and walking the dogs uh, with my son. So it was quite late at night. It was about half past 11. And as I say, we're on the outskirts, so where I go, I walk through the town first, then do a circle and and come back around to my house via the fields. So as I turned left onto the main road to make my way up into the the town, I noticed on the other side of the bridge, as I have to cross a small road bridge, and could see something moving on the other side of the bridge in the middle of the road on its own. I thought, wow, what's that? And my brain sort of thought, it's too big to be a cat. It didn't make sense. My brain wasn't computing what I was seeing, but what I was seeing was a very large, black, cat-looking creature with a very long tail. It took my brain a few seconds to think, actually, it's a wild cat. That's what I'm, that is what I'm seeing. I did think at first, wow, it could be some type of panther. It was very clear that the town is quite well lit in front of me and it was actually in the middle of the road in the town so it was under streetlights. I actually paced the distance from where I originally saw it to where it was and it was 87 paces so I was quite close to it not close enough to see any markings but close enough to see the size the colour the fact that it was it looked like it was stalking something. I think we surprised it as we came around the corner because it did just startle for a second and it darted back over to the right-hand side up against the houses. I lost it at that point. I couldn't see it. So we started to move forward and I said to my son, wow, did you see that? He said later he, he didn't see it until he saw it the second time. So as we started walking over the bridge, It came back out again across the road. I couldn't believe it. So we stopped and it came back over and it definitely looked as though it was hunting something. So we just stopped and stood still. By this point, the dogs had either smelt it or had become aware of it. I'd heard me say, what's that? And they were beginning to look and, you know, what's going on, what's going on? And the panther, well, you told me later it was possibly a leopard, but the animal continued 
again, across the middle of the road, heading towards the left side of the road, which I know there's a set of garages up along there. And we started walking ever so slowly. I just wanted to be a bit closer to see it. And it hesitated. It looked. It looked back to where it was hunting and thought, no, no, I'm going to go. This is too risky. And ran back across the road and down off into an area of much more wilderness. So we continued over the bridge and I'm saying to my son, wow, I can't believe what we've just seen. He saw it as it ran back down across the road and away. So quite hesitant, still cautious that it might be around. We made our way over the bridge, continued the walk in complete awe of what I had just seen. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, I can't believe it. Amazing creature. And then as we got past opposite where it was actually appeared to be hunting, Another surprise, this little fox popped out of the entrance of where this leopard had literally just been into the entrance of and came round the corner, quite looked as though it was smiling a little bit, actually, and then trotted all the way up the road with us adjacent on the opposite side of the road. Well, by this point, my dogs were going absolutely berserk, as you can appreciate. This fox is totally nonchalant and didn't really care. He was thinking he was just pleased to be alive. Um, followed all the way up along the along the wall and we got to the top of the town and the fox sat for a while while my dog relieved herself. <laughs> and um, then we continued on and the fox just sat there for a while as we continued in through the town. And that was the end of the two encounters. I am still in awe of it. I still get excited now when I talk about it and think about it because there's no doubt in my mind what I witnessed and what I was so lucky to see that night. I'm not sure my son was quite in as as much of awe as as I am, but but I just feel so blessed to have seen something so wonderful, truly, and so close and in a town. Do you think when it retreated from its stalking mode the second time you saw it, it was because it realised you were coming up closer to it and it was being disturbed? I think the first time as we came round the corner, we caught it mid-stalk and it became aware of us, I would say, at that point. And as we started walking over the bridge, even more so. And at first it did run. But I couldn't help thinking when it, well, I couldn't believe that it actually came back over the road a second time as we were heading towards it and thought then it must be so close to something that it's come back out again because it was actually putting itself in quite well, and us in a way, but more itself, it was putting itself in quite a a risky position because I had three dogs, albeit on the lead, but I still had three dogs with me. I think it retreated the first time because it saw her, but I think it was either so close or so hungry that it thought, no, I'm I'm going to have another try. And you could just tell by its body language as we were watching it the second time and started moving a little bit closer. It just, you could tell it, it was deciding, mm, what am I going to do? Am I going to go on? Am I going to, and it decided, you know, self-preservation and ran, turned back and, and ran in the same direction as it came from, you know, after it went, the first time so it it obviously I would have said had come from that direction in the first place which is quite a an open rural area that it had come from I was just so amazed that it was in the town Rick you know amazing yeah yeah okay and the fox's behavior are we right to assume it was seeing you as safe escort away from the potential kill zone I do believe it was yeah it wasn't threatened at all by my dogs by this point, my dogs were barking and, and trying to get towards it. It wasn't intimidated at all by my dogs. Totally calm, totally cool. Just walked up along the edge of the wall, just on the opposite. And it's quite a narrow road. And I was saying to the fox, go on, go on. You know, my dogs are, are going, one of them might get off in a minute by actually, you know, might slip its collar or something. That's what I was worried. Yeah, but it, it just obviously assumed you were a much safer bet for company than what it had just experienced. <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. but and, and I did think, well, I wonder if it popped out to say thank you as well. Its little face when it came round the corner, I can only really say that it, 
it had had a bit of a smile on his face, whether it didn't look as though it had been chased. It didn't look as though it was panting particularly or hot or sweating. Um, but it definitely had a bit of a, what looked like a smile on him. You know, your dogs, they have a certain look and they do a smile. And, um, yeah, I'd like to think it was a bit of a smile. And yes, a safe escort than being faced with a leopard. But where it had been, it was in a small set of garages and it was actually cornered. And that's why I felt that it went back a second time because it knew really that it had the fox cornered. And could make a quick strike. Yeah, the fox had no escape. It's completely enclosed. The only way it, the fox could have escaped was literally to have climbed over the garage, up the garage door and over the garage roofs. Whether a fox could do that in desperation, maybe the fox expert would know that. But but a cat could do it quicker, I suspect. Yes, exactly. So it was actually cornered. And I, and I wondered afterwards if that was why it thought, mm, I, I'm going to go and have another go. Maybe I'm going to get it before they get here. Or, yeah. well, I don't know what the cat was thinking, you know. I was just so amazed that it came back a second time over the road, Main Street. And thankfully, no cars come. And it was during the lockdown as well. People were usually in by 10 o'clock. And this was about half past 11 at night. It was a little bit later for me than usual. Can you describe the poise and the attitude that you saw from the cat as it was sort of lined up for attack, as you assumed? It was very low. Um, It was actually the length that drew my attention immediately. Firstly, the colour and then the length and for how low to the ground it was. Obviously, I've only ever seen wild cats um, on TV stalking a prey, but that was the mode it was in. It was very low. Its tail was up behind it. And again, it was its tail. I thought, well, it can't be a cat's tail. It's, it's massive. Its tail looked to be about two or three foot long and just twitching at the end. So it was very low to the ground. I couldn't see its ears. I'm presuming that its ears were back, but it was long. It was sleek. It was black. And it was moving very slowly very fixed. Its attention was very fixed in front, which is why I think we originally caught it unawares because its attention was very fixed on its whatever was in front of it, which obviously I didn't know at the time until we actually got past the garages and the little fox popped out. But I did think the mode it was in, I thought, hmm, looks like it's it's got something in its sights anyway. Yeah. And what sort of scale was it compared to a Labrador or a German Shepherd? Well, I've got a, a Lab Cross Collie uh, and I've got a slightly larger cross, uh, like a husky cross collie. It was not as tall. The, the paws I saw it in, which was quite low to the ground, it wasn't as tall as my larger dog, but it was taller than my lab cross collie. And it was much longer than both of them. Uh, obviously, I'm seeing the tail as well. But even in the body, I would say that the body was definitely longer in, in the pose that it was in because it was quite long and stretched and, and fixed and trying to make itself inconspicuous in the middle of the road. Which, <laughs> But anyway, it, if you can visualise looking up a, a main road, you've got the white line up the middle. It covered from the white line, from the end of its tail, it covered from the white line a good two-thirds of the side of the road. Mm, okay, It's not a, a huge main road. It was the size that that originally caught my attention. I thought, wow, that's not a dog. That's too big for a cat. It took my brain a while to compute to what I was actually seeing and believing what I was seeing because I was going, well, it's a wild cat. It's a wild cat. And my brain's going, yeah, but you don't see them in the middle of the main street. You know, it took me a few seconds. And I was like, wow, it is a wild cat. It really is. Um, and that was the poise and the size of it. It had reasonable size legs and um, a good neck, deep shoulders. You know, it was long. It was quite sleek. It was quite slender. And the colour, just straight, a straight black as far as you could see, was it illuminated? Yeah, it was completely black. I couldn't see any markings, which is why I, I thought Black Panther, mm. um, because I wasn't close enough to see any markings. Yeah, well, Black Panther's the same as a black leopard, of course. It's the same thing. Okay. But it was definitely black. There's no question in, in my mind of the colour of it. Yeah, OK. The tail, you mentioned the tail twitching. Can you describe that? It was quite extended. It was up in the air and the tail end was just doing a, a little twitch 
twitch, twitch at the very end. So mm. it was quite erect. Again, it, it, the tail looked as though it would was in hunting mode. Yeah, um, that's partly about judging distance that when the, it's doing that. A bit like a domestic cat going about to go for a bird in the garden. Okay. Yeah, that, that's about getting your balance right, ready, and your poise right, and sort of sensing the distance. Oh wow! So he's mm. wow. So he mm. could have been really close to this fox then. Well, um, don't know, but it's all consistent with um, you know, ready for a for a strike. Wow. We had that um, once in. Don't like to sound alarmist, but one situation described with a, a young child, the mums were round the corner. This was on the edge of Rodborough, and the six-year-old lad was looking after two toddlers, and they were blackberry picking. The mums were literally, you know, safe, safely just tucked round the corner chatting, and yeah. a back panther came out of the scrub, just coincidentally noticed them, turned round, and the, the six-year-old lad said he saw it absolutely go to ground and, and and sort of wriggle a bit closer and watch the two younger ones. And he said Whoa. the tail started twitching and springing. But then he decided he was just going to run around the corner because his mums were just around the corner and yelled and they came around and made a commotion and it went. But So that wow. was the most scariest moment I think we've had that we've known about of one eyeing up young children. But of course that was a freak situation because the mums thought it was perfectly safe in that green space seconds around the corner while they chatted and said hello while the kids were being monitored but i remember that one that the tail flicking vigorously like that made me think oh gosh it really was considering a strike but i think that's so unrepresentative as a situation and and the lad said it wasn't like it had arrived on the scene deliberately for them it just came out of scrub and there was a spring line nearby and it was a hot summer conditions it's probably been drinking there gone through the scrub and the brambles and then noticed two unoccupied toddlers or two toddlers you know with, with a or, or young children with a six-year-old and there we are now and we can hear your dogs now so tell us about the dogs um because i was wondering would you have been scared without them do you think if you'd just been walking on the streets and completely on your own not with your son not with three dogs do you think you would have, seeing a stalking panther, do you think you would have retreated straight away? Being the foolhardy person that I am, no, I would have tried to get closer, actually. I would have tried to get a, a picture of it. We didn't have time to be able to get a phone out to be able to take a picture. I had two of the dogs. My son had the other dog. So I would have loved to be able to take a picture of it. And then anybody who laughed at me when I said I'd seen a black panther, I would have said, well, Look at what I have on my phone. So it was a, a combination of I didn't want my dogs to be hurt. I didn't want the animal to be hurt. But if I'd been on my own, Rick, no, I actually think I would have tried to get a bit closer. Because you th- didn't think it was going to target you, whatever. No, I, I would have continued to watch what it was doing. And I would have tried to video it just for people to be able to see it. I mean, how amazing. You think the illumination from the, the street lamp would have been sufficient? Definitely. There's a little nook in the bridge that if I could have done, I would have snuck in there. That's where I would have tried to go to and and videoed it from there. I would have kept a safe distance. I'm not that foolhardy. I wouldn't have tried to go up, you know, kitty kitty and try and stroke it or anything. But no, I definitely would have tried to get a a couple of shots for it, just for people to be able to see it. And again, you know, people have told, some people have laughed at me and not believed me. And other people have been, wow, you know, really, and wanted to know more about it and, and interested in it. So I've had a mixed reaction. <laughs> Any of the people you mentioned been concerned because it was a sort of edge of a residential area in a market town in southern England? Or are people more fascinated? Not overly worried. I've spoken to a couple of people in town at night who also walk their dogs quite late and just just made them aware mm. that I've seen one. They were more interested, whether the people actually believe what you're saying at the time as well. I know what I saw. My son saw it as well. So, you know, we know what we saw. So. Having those chats on the local grapevine, has anybody else said, oh, well, it's funny you should say that because I've seen one too? Has that sort of thing happened? No, nobody's mentioned that. One gentleman said, oh, well, that would explain some of the missing dogs that people lose when they go on walks, which I didn't like to hear that. I wonder if that can be verified. That's interesting. Is there any missing domestic cat signs up anywhere? I have noticed a couple in the towns noticed close to me in Nailsworth. I have seen a couple of signs recently for missing cats. I will ask the gentleman that said that about the missing dogs 
on dog walks. He said, oh, that would explain when people's dogs have gone missing on dog walks. And I said, oh, I hadn't actually thought of that. Yeah, well, I think there there can be other explanations as dog napping goes on, doesn't it, unfortunately, all over the place, including Gloucestershire. Yes, and, and if you've got um, a small dog, they can go down rabbit holes, fox holes, and get themselves stuck. Yeah, and incidentally, say your dogs had been off the lead at that time. What do you reckon would have happened? Um, they would have gone running after it. Because there's three of them. Do you think maybe if it was just one of them on their own, they wouldn't have done, but three of them together would have felt more bold, do you think? <laughs> it depends on which one I had. <laughs> um, my lab cross collie is so obedient, she just instantly does what you tell her. Uh, my youngster takes a little bit more persuading, and I have one of the Romanian strays who lived on the street. So she kind of does what she wants to do when she wants to do it and sort of listens to me when she chooses, <laughs> if I'm totally honest. But it could have been carnage and mayhem, perhaps, or very dangerous situation all round. Yes, I think it undoubtedly would have been, uh, especially my youngster. Yeah, undoubtedly. They all lit up once they got the scent, once they realised there was something going on. And I think they saw it running back the second time across the road. I believe I was the only one that saw it at first. So saw it going across the road and then back to the right. And then everybody saw it, including my son, on the way back over because I'd drawn their attention to us. I said, look, look at that up the hill. What's, what's going on? What's that? Mm. And, you know, and I was like, wow, look, it's a wild cat. Wow. And by this point, the dogs, whether they'd sensed it, whether they picked up on my emotions and thought, ooh, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Um, and then as we got over the bridge, totally lit up because they got its, its scent, the leopard scent. The, then the fox popped out at the same time. Mm. So, it, yes, it was quite an interesting walk. And I did feel a little bit sorry for my neighbours by that point up the street because there was a bit of a commotion going on with the fox. And I have got three mm. um, and they were all sort of barking at the fox. So, yeah, I think it would have been... Uh, I'm very pleased they were all on the lead. I'm very pleased that it wasn't half an hour later when they were in the fields and they could have encountered particularly my small one she's just the size of a jack russell so that would be just a nice little morsel to just pick up and have for later so yes i was very pleased that they were on the lead and very relieved dear knows what would have happened rick i don't think my dogs would have come out of it very well although i suspect you would have seen how fast they can go. It would have left the scene rapidly, faster than your dogs can go, and to avoid a commotion and potential injury risk, you know, even if it would it would have yeah. won a fight, but it might have got injured in, in the process anyway. Yeah, and I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. You know, my, my feelings were when I saw it, really, well, afterwards, when it's, it started sinking in a bit, what I'd seen. I felt for the animal being just left to get on with it, somewhere that's not native to it. Obviously, it's doing a pretty good job by the looks of it. It had the scent of a fox and it looked like it was hot on its tail. Mm. But I, I did feel for the animal and, and then for myself, just awe um, and gratitude that I'd seen such an amazing sight. Yes, it's interesting. A lot of people do feel, they do take pity on these animals. But I think what you've got to remember is that they're probably actually in a better position here than they are in some of the stressful conditions they can have in their native countries where prey is actually hard fought for. You know, there can be not as many um, wild ungulates like deer, not as many small mammals like rabbits and not as many easily snaffled birds like pigeons and pheasants so actually here i don't think they need taking pity on i think it's a relatively easy life in the british landscape they're unbothered undisturbed and you know a nice buffet in all directions <laughs> yeah that's that's good to hear actually how does your son feel Anne? has it sort of rubbed off on your son has it sparked an interest in him i'm not sure he's quite as enamored by the whole experience that i am I think the fact that I've said to him, wow, the fact you've seen that, that's something that people just don't get to see. We, we probably never see anything like that again. Uh, I think he's beginning to realise that actually it was quite a special experience and that he was very lucky to see what he saw. But I'm not sure he quite has that massive love for nature and wildlife that I have quite yet. Anyway, he's still young. Yeah, because, I mean, it really can consume people sometimes to unhealthy proportions. But if it does spark an interest in being more alert for nature and the outdoors, then that is a good thing. 
Yes. For where we're positioned, we're, we're very lucky for wildlife. <laughs> Leopards now, yes. Are you joining in? Join in. You mentioned this might happen, but it's all grist to the mill. It's nice to hear some of the, the characters in the, in the cast actually say hello. It's the little one who's in charge okay. of the two big ones. So it's usually the way, isn't it? <laughs> the little ones are usually the bossy ones. A quick break for Word of the Week, and it is Safari. When I was discussing the title for the episode with Anne, I was about to discard my Safari suggestion, but Anne said the experience did feel like a safari at the edge of town, what with watching a panther stalking its prey. We think of the word safari as meaning an exotic tour to see wild animals, but in fact the word safari comes from a Swahili word meaning a journey or to travel. So, if we have some leopards, pumas and lynx in places across Britain, that safari is available in our own backyard, in our own local landscapes. Although, maybe with a minuscule chance of seeing one of these cats. But as we go for our walks and hikes in the outdoors, we could feel that sense of adventure, perhaps, by looking for signs of these cats and wondering about the predator and prey situations unfolding in our own British landscape. Of course, there are many other issues to consider, like our own pets being potential prey, so there are tough challenges for us to talk through. But that safari, that journey, is available for us, maybe in our minds at least, but maybe for real as well as we visit our countryside, either the distant wilder parts or our local green spaces. This Parkland experience will be apparent in our coming episode on Epping Forest, which is a green lung for North London. So there's our word of the week, safari in all senses. Now, and apparently you were saying you've had another sighting in the past of a different cat in a different area. Can you tell us about that? I did. This was quite a few years ago. On Minchinhampton Common, I was driving home from work and it was dusk, sort of early evening. Just light was just beginning to go. And I'm always obviously paying attention on the road, but I'm also always looking around for nature and wildlife to see what I can see. Mm. And I just happened to notice on the right side of the road, going into a hedge side, or going through a hedge row rather, what from the shoulder I could see, what I believe it was a lynx. Well, I, mean, I know it was a lynx. I, I know what lynxes look like. And again, couldn't believe my luck in seeing that. It was going through, its head was already through the hedgerow, so I saw it from about the shoulder back over. So I didn't quite see its little pointy ears and its little tufts on its ears, but I did see the bobtail and I did see the markings. The back leg was too big. The size of it was too big to be a domesticated animal. The haunches on its back legs were way too big to be a cat or a dog. And its markings, lynx have a quite distinctive markings. So again, yeah, I got to see a lynx. So I've seen a lynx and now I've seen this black leopard. I just feel so honoured and so lucky. You were saying when we spoke first, you assumed it was a, a big Manx cat at first before you had a better look. Is that right? Well, it was the only thing I could think of that had a bobtail. Yeah. Uh, Manx cats have a bobtail. And this distinctively, because it was going through the hedge and I was seeing it going through back, you know, its back end last type of thing, could very clearly see it had a bobtail. And I thought it was way too big. And Manx cats don't really have markings like that. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it had to be a lynx. It's the only other thing that I, I could possibly think fit the description and the sight that I saw. I, I couldn't see if it had anything, if it had been hunting, whether it was hunting. They're very good at making themselves look inconspicuous and just blending into everything around them. And moving very slowly, don't they? And, yeah. and that was how I got quite a good view. Although I was driving, it was luckily, it's only a 40 mile and a 30 mile speed limit anyway. And I don't drive very fast because I'm usually looking for hmm. neither. <laughs> yeah. How far away? Pardon? How far away was it from you? Well, I'm on the left side of the road and it was going through the right hand hedge. So it was the other side of the road away and the verge away. Mm-hmm. So what would we say that would be? 10, 12? 15 foot maybe oh wow it was very clear yeah 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 it was very it was very clear 
it was unmistakably a, a lynx. Once I decided that it definitely wasn't a manx cat, <laughs> I thought, if it's got to be a lynx, it can't be anything else, Sam. Just accept it's a lynx. You've just seen a lynx. And again, trying to tell people. And now that I'm telling people that I've seen a leopard as well, it's like, really? And I'm just so honoured. And so I just feel so blessed to have such two amazing sightings. It's tricky when you've seen more than one, isn't it? Because it makes people less prone to believe you, even if they believed you. If, if it was just yeah. the one sighting, that, that is the dilemma in uh, acknowledging that you've had other sightings. Yeah. What, what I would say, and uh, people, listeners from Gloucestershire will know this well, but other listeners not know, that Minchinhampton Common is good for big cat sightings of uh, large black ones, occasionally puma type, but mainly large black ones, black leopard type ones, and sometimes lynx type ones, particularly on its sort of shaggy edges. It's a huge, extensive, open grassland common owned by the national trust managed by the national trust but with settlements within it people's gardens within it in fact it does get puma reports because there's a lady that um, sold a house recently near nailsworth and she invited me to put cameras in the garden uh, but she was moving within six months and my next task in visiting was to brief the newcoming family who bought the house from her because she yeah she's very sure she'd seen a puma twice and there'd been other reports in Nailsworth just down the hill to validate she was concerned that there were young children in the family moving into the house it was a lovely garden perfect for all kinds of wildlife and something like that sort of merges with the the open common so for any cat that's wandering through it's not going to distinguish a garden from the common Mm and the scrub where it hangs out and stalks its prey and everything so we do get plenty of reports in Minchinhampton and Robra Common and Selsley Common you yeah. know the Stroud Valleys is a beautiful place for people to visit I always say anyway yeah well you mentioned Robra earlier I mean that, that pretty much joins on to Minchinhampton Common yeah there is quite an expanse there of well common land yes exactly yeah and it's all around the edges I mean the open bit is very flat and open and but it's all the nooks and crannies around the edges where you know the sightings tend to happen and where there are cottagey gardens and things. I remember one couple said that I think they were Chalford, just the other side of the valley, and they said uh, they had a panther in their garden. And the guy was in one part of the house and saw the dog's reaction, and the lady was in another side of the house and saw the cat's reaction. <laughs> so they all saw it together, all four of them, but the, the two animals yeah. had noteworthy reactions which reinforced it all. They had a woodland right next to them and they were part of the common on that side of the valley and they just said it was in the garden and heard the sort of, what's that, you know, call out of the, from the window and legged it over the fence and back into the woodland. But yeah, it does happen. People do see them um, in their gardens or over the fence there and indeed in the Forest of Dean in Gloucestershire. It's why we do get you know, trusted to have all these reports. How do you think about all of this and more generally about big cats being around? What's your attitude to them? It's not something that particularly perturbs me. I think the fact that people are aware of them is quite important. Uh, That's quite a difficult one, really, Rick. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because personally, I'm just in awe of these creatures and look at them with nothing but wonder. I have to say that on the evening dog walks, I have become more aware, shall I say, Mm. than I previously was. It hasn't changed my habits. It hasn't changed where I walk with the dogs. It's just made me more aware that actually there's something else that we just need to be aware of the presence of or potential presence of. Would you rely on your dogs alerting you um, in the future, do you think? Does it make you feel more safer and confident, the fact that you're walking dogs? Again, that's quite difficult because I would have loved the opportunity to have not had the dogs with me, as you asked me earlier. I really would have tried to get closer and take photographs or have some kind of record or at least try to get a bit closer to it and and get an even better view of it. Mm. I think the dogs making you more aware is a good thing if if definitely if you have them on the lead mm. but if your dogs are off the lead it might be a different scenario because the first reaction you may see from your dogs are that they're running after something and you don't know what that is yeah 
And you don't know what, how it could end and where it could end. No. Where at the moment, or, or previously, before this sighting, speaking again personally, when I saw my dogs running around or looking to be chasing anything, I knew, well, at the most, it's going to be a rabbit or, or a fox. And they don't ever catch anything. They're not hunting dogs. They mm. just chase, like most dogs do, something that runs. So... Yeah, that definitely has now made me just a little bit more aware of the fact that we have these wildcats present in the country and in the countryside. And yeah, it's just, it, it. even though I did see the lynx, for some reason I didn't think that a lynx would be quite so much of a danger to dogs than the leopard. The fact that the leopards come into the town, I think when you're out in the countryside and you're walking in commons or woods, you need to expect to possibly encounter anything nowadays. Mm. You just don't know what may be out there. But the fact that you are now, or I'm now aware that there are wildcats, when you have your animals out, and now, from what you've said with the small children, just have a have an, have an awareness of them. I believe they should just be allowed now to continue their lives as they are in this country. I'm not. I don't believe they should be hunted or hunted down or found or caught. It's very difficult to say. Well, at what point, if they start breeding, would we then have to intervene if we needed to intervene? Our, wouldn't like to be the one to make that decision. If they could be caught up with in the first place. Indeed. We might catch up with the odd few, but um, if you read my book or hear the podcast or hear other people's perspectives on it who've looked into it, I mean, a lot of us think they've been breeding for a good few decades now in Britain, and to be honest, so many, many generations on. Maybe that's why it looks so fit and sleek and and healthy which is what i think you implied from the description because they've grown up here they know the ropes and it's um a good place to be a wild cat like that yeah oh it it definitely lo- it looked healthy i wouldn't know how you would age a cat but it definitely didn't appear to be an old cat it was quite uh, well it was very agile um and didn't seem to be having any problems being low hunting stalking uh, moved very smoothly. It just looked looked quite young, not as in a youngster as in a cub. Yeah, definitely fully grown, but yeah, looked really fit and and sleek and prime condition sort of thing. Yeah, really. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. You have said that you'd um, seen the guy who owns the neighbouring woodland, and you're trying to get in touch with him so that one of our contacts, mutual friends and contacts, who's very good with tracking and putting trail cameras up, can um, see if he's allowed access to put some cameras in there, because it could be a place where, you know, we could get some evidence if we're lucky. Indeed, I have been, and I'm still trying. Sadly with me, not being a local, I'm not as familiar with people. At the moment, all I've been able to find out is is a surname mm. for the person. So I, I definitely will try to, to find an area that you can put cameras up and hopefully catch and then verify what I've said, <laughs> that I'm not making it up. <laughs> People are often a little bit cagey in trying to make contact with a landowner because they never know whether the landowner's attitude is going to be same as theirs oh yeah it'd be great to try and cat you know catch it on camera or a different attitude <laughs> so it's yes fraught with that risk isn't it a little bit yes and especially i didn't realize but apparently um quite close to where i had the sighting it, it adjoins a field where there's two shetland ponies so again you know shetland ponies are quite small so they're not out at the moment they're now back in and they're being stabled but they are out there yeah in the field usually so yes um so that i have got a couple of avenues because i did think of another area adjacent to the the strip of woodland you know I, i close my eyes and i can see it every time i close my eyes but for someone to be able to to actually see a picture of it as well it would be amazing 
it may not come back into that area for a good long while if it does at all you know we, we don't know how much more flexible in britain than they would be in their native countries where the territories are probably more rigid because there's more of them and they're a bit more hemmed in so they will follow yeah. the routes more rigidly but it may not be happening here so much but well thank you for you know trying that and I don't know if you've heard on the podcast there was a puma sighting you know, the sandy brown one with a rabbit in its mouth that uh, maria talked about in the autumn that would have been within a couple of miles from this location wow the other intriguing aspect of this area we're talking about is that some of these cats could be royal cats as well couldn't they yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> they could be visiting uh Highgrove and Gatcombe Park, where we have uh, royal neighbours in Gloucestershire. They could indeed. <laughs> They've come at the right time of the year because it's pheasant season. <laughs> there's plenty of pheasants for them at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So, and of course, there's uh, lots of pheasants in Gatcombe Park and, and Highgrove. And so, yeah, good time of year for them to be here. And we actually have a huge family of foxes up beside us in the adjacent fields. So, it might be here for a while till it's um, thinned the population out a little bit and, and then might move on a bit. So yeah. we may be lucky and, and we might just get another a sighting of it. It would be fantastic. You probably are aware that it's, although there are many sightings actually that come through, it's very unusual to have somebody seeing one in such full-on stalking mode, absolutely seemingly primed for the attack. Oh, yeah. And that's why you saw it, I think, because it was distracted with its business. But it's often they're just walking from A to B or sunning themselves. And people are very lucky to have that sighting. But this was a rare situation of, you know, one full on stalking. Oh, yes. I do believe that's why we caught it unawares as we first came around the corner. It was in stalking mode. And then the fact it was so close it's come back the second time that was more unbelievable than anything else that it actually knew we were there but yet it still came back over the road again yeah to try again uh very very honored how i feel about it all yes i've just remembered actually thinking about what would have happened with a dog chasing one clocking back through all the reports that i know about to me and to colleagues and contacts one to frank tunbridge who gets a lot of reports in gloucestershire and beyond here i remember one of his he said a farmer was on his tractor driving through the farm and on the trailer behind him was his dog can't remember what type of dog it was but he saw a cat in the distance and thought oh no that looks like a big panther hope my dog doesn't see it i don't want him trying to chase it and any problems and the dog did see it and did give chase and he thought it's curtains for him. This is going to be, you know, bad news. And he said he thinks that the the cat, he said it was a big black panther, black leopard type cat. It immediately reacted and ran off at great speed. And he thought, that's just as well, because I don't fancy my dog's chances if there was a commotion. And he said that the, the cat ran to a hole through the fence. He said, that's interesting, because I wired that up yesterday. And the cat ran through where this hole in the fence would have been and recoiled because it had been freshly wired and bounced back and then had to then jump the fence, which it did effortlessly. It obviously knew where the hole in the fence was because so that was its route. But he said it It was familiar territory. Yeah, he said it very comical. But um, clearly decided it didn't want to risk injury or risk, you know, any kind of kerfuffle that it couldn't get the better of. It probably risking injury, particularly as the dog yeah. was running at it. So it was having the confrontation not on its own terms, as it were. But that was a very interesting yeah. you know, situation where it obviously knew the route and the route had been blocked off so freshly, but it managed anyway. So <laughs> Bit of a shock for it, bless it. You'd hope that that would be the the case that it would just run rather than have a confrontation. Mm. But there's there's always that I suppose in the back of your mind that it may not. Um, and I suppose it depends on the size of what's chasing it. If it's quite small, that's chasing it might think, hmm. Yeah, you're running straight into trouble here. Yeah, aren't you? And just stand its ground as well. So yeah. Amongst the people you've spoken with, what's the proportion of sceptical? responses you've had do you think about originally i would say when you first tell people probably about 70 percent mm -hmm. but then i think that by the time you've told people either it's the way that you've it's the way that you tell it or whether it's the emotion or 
of the fact that you're quite animated when you're talking about it, I would say it's then 70-30. So the other way on, they actually they believe me. Mm. Um, and the 30% is like, mm, yeah, they're still like, mm, not too sure about that one. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I would say 70% easy of what I've, of, of the people that I've told now think, yeah, yeah, she did say you won. Oh, that's the impression they gave me. Walking away, whether they've then walked away and gone, she's a Fruit Loop, that one. Do you decide tactically sometimes not to tell people because it's awkward or because you just fear ridicule or you think they're not going to have an open mind? Or do you do you feel if you've got a chance you do because it's interesting and almost a public duty or you, you feel that awareness raising is useful on the subject do you have a view on that yeah i tell them just because i was so amazed and so excited that i'd seen one so mostly i've been telling people just because wow you'll never believe what i saw yeah. and how lucky was i to see this um and then the, an element definitely when i've been bumping into people in the evenings that's got the dogs just to say to them look i just think you better know that i saw a leopard walking up the main street the other day and they're like what and then again, by the time I've told them, I think the way I've, I've told them, it, obviously, when, when we meet people, I think we can usually tell whether they're telling the truth or not. Yeah. And obviously they've thought, mm, she's not just made this up just for the sake of it. Yes. And I think a lot of people don't realise that leopards come in black. That's the thing. I think it's always worth saying, you know, they're black ones. The, ba- the black panthers are most likely to be a leopard. Well, I have to say, Rick, I do think what has helped people believe me is the fact that I have said that I've spoken to yourself and Chris, who are experts in the field. And I think it's when I've said that I'm not the only one that it's been has reported it. I think that's been the factor, really, that's sort of given me the, the oh, yeah, she's telling the truth. There's other people to reinforce it. Yes. Not that we call ourselves experts, but we've got a bit of experience in it, perhaps, more than other people, perhaps. Well, I would call you an expert. You're an expert compared to me, Rick, so I would call you an expert. Very kind of you. You give me lots of, I would say, expert details. So, um, yeah, and I think that's uh, helped verify that actually I'm not the only one and there has been other people. And I have said to them, I- I'm telling you just so that you're aware, really, that that there is a one has been sighted not to say it's going to be back again but you know and especially with people with little dogs because i would guess that they would be an easier target than uh, a larger dog even though they can be just as ferocious and noisy (laughs) much easier to carry away than a big husky cross cross collie that's for sure well, that's interesting. I think, yeah, people do take it in that spirit. We've had other guests on the podcast say exactly that. You know, they've singled out other dog walkers when they've had the opportunity, partly to give them a light touch warning uh, yeah. alert about it all, but also just in case there, anybody else on the grapevine has seen it or heard about it as well. So it all helps, doesn't yeah. it? That networking, that informal networking is probably the best way to communicate it, actually. Yeah, undoubtedly. Word of mouth, talking to each other, communication is key. Brilliant. It's been so good you taking us through this um, incident, Anne, because it's a, it's a rare one, it's a rare incident, and it's very good to hear the details. So, And, and very nice that you're going to be staying in touch, trying to help us to, to get camera locations. So no rush, but if that does happen, we'll be on the case and um, look forward to staying in touch. But thank you very much for coming on Big Cat Conversations. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Give me the chance to share it with everyone. Um, and I hope I've given enough details to try and share how I felt seeing it as well. So thank you, Rick. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to share it with everyone as well. Great. Pleasure, and Thanks ever so much. All the best. OK, as we finish off the show, as well as saying a Happy New Year to everyone, we also need to wish one of our listeners a belated happy birthday. And that is Tom in Southampton, because Tom, despite being very much an adult, was lucky enough to have his mum bake a panther birthday cake for him. And here's where it gets like Show Us Your Bakes on TV's Bake Off Extra Slice, because we have a photo of the cake on our website under episode 41. So well done to Tom's mum. And Tom, no pressure, but do let us know what you turn up in the New Forest in Hampshire, which is your local stomping ground for potential big cats. Also on the website for this edition, 41, we have put a link to some footage of an alleged Black Panther 
And that footage was taken back in February 2020, but only recently shared. And the informant was Sue Evans, and she looked out Frank Tunbridge here in Gloucestershire and shared it with him first. It's the usual teasing footage, I'm afraid, because the animal was 350 metres away, and you can see the phone camera struggling with the zooming in focus. But it's something to look at and judge for yourself, and Frank will be back on the show for half an episode soon, and he'll include his thoughts on this footage amongst his update for us. Also to look out for on our website is a new documentary from the eastern United States. That's on the Puma sightings there. It's titled Lions of the East, as in mountain lions. That topic has relevance to the situation in Britain, of course, with ongoing puma sightings in places where these cats are not supposed to be, but maybe they actually are. So, Lions of the East is another excellent documentary. It costs $5 to stream, and there is a trailer for it if you just do a web search on that title, and that's linked on our website too. Coming up in our next two episodes, we are on the edge of London, into Epping Forest and also the Hertfordshire countryside. So two episodes just beyond the fringes of Greater London. After that, Suffolk and Ireland should follow. OK, big thanks again to Anne, our guest, for starting us off this year. And thanks to Chris in Stroud for linking us to Anne and prompting this episode. Time to sign off now, so onwards and upwards into 2021. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening in, and bye for now.